From New Mexico State to the Virginia Cavaliers, a quarterback. More on that momentarily here in Covering the Commonwealth Part 1. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, a pleasure to speak with you. Virginia men's basketball. They head on the road to NC State and once again a double-digit loss uh, in a road game for the Virginia men's basketball team. Is this a mental thing right now for Tony Bennett's squad? That's a good question, Ed. Uh, I don't know that I have the answer to that, but certainly it's a trending thing, and I don't know what they're going to do about it because the same, <clears throat> you know, it's the same team that plays at home, but uh, and it's just uh, uh, they've got issues. But there's some warts on this team that we knew about coming in, and, and that they're, they're not real big. They're not the most physical bunch in the world, and and they're not really they're not the most athletic team in the world either. But they are more athletic than some teams that he's had. But <clears throat> they uh, when they're missing guys like Dante Harris, it certainly takes away from that. But you know, none of those things are going to go away, and so Tony Bennett and his staff have to find some other ways to win. A lot of that is through solid defense uh, and more offensive efficiency. And uh, so far on the road, all those things have gone out the window against bigger, uh, more athletic teams. It's interesting. You you mentioned that. How much of this then goes to roster construction for Virginia and that being a concern for Tony Bennett's squad to which they don't have answers? Or do you trust that ultimately they can push the right buttons and compensate for that? Maybe similar to what Miami did last year where they didn't have a lot of size down low but still made the Final Four before it actually was an issue. Well, I think some of it is roster management. And, you know, he at, at one point um, after last season, he was down to four scholarship players on the team. And... He had to go out and reassemble essentially a whole new roster. And once you're at that point, sometimes you can't be too choosy on on what's available and, and who you can get in. Um, again, you know, the, I'm sure basketball goes through the same uh, issues that the football team does in the, the recruiting pool. Uh, even in the transfer portal is a little more shallow because uh, some of these credits at other schools won't transfer into UVA. So um, they were limited to a degree on what they could bring in, and this is what they got, and they're going to have to live with it. Uh, I know that one of the things that Tony Bennett liked about this group was that in his mind that he's going to keep them for two or three years. That's yet to be determined because of the portal is always a temptation for some of these guys. But, um, you know, it, it's he's got what he's got, and he's going to have to find a way to win with it. Either that or it's, it could be a, a very trying season as they try to build for the future. 
Yeah, that's the reality for Virginia men's basketball. Meanwhile, for the Lady Cavaliers, they fell to Duke yesterday 60-56. to They're still searching for their first ACC win, and it may not come later this week against an NC State team aiming to bounce back from that loss at Virginia Tech yesterday. How much of this right now for the women at Virginia is also learning how to close it out in the ACC in year two under Coach Mox? Uh, well, I think there's there's some of that because uh, and they have played some close games against people like NC State in, in the last time that they met. Uh, I guess a little over uh, a week ago, but uh, I'm sure there's an adjustment because she had brought in a lot of new faces too, and trying to blend them in with with what she's had returning, uh, and they they've been better, but. And they've performed better, and they've uh, been competitive. Uh, it hasn't necessarily translated into the amount of wins that maybe people were expecting, particularly after the the early season against non-conference teams. But uh, I, I think that they'll eventually get there. The fact that they've been competitive and be able been able to hang in with some of the better teams um, shows some promise for down the road. It does indeed. JerryRatcliffe.com founder Jerry Ratcliffe talking some UVA with us here in the fast lane. Hootie, Gavin Frakes, quarterback commit from New Mexico State. We saw him a couple of times as New Mexico State was at Liberty and he played some uh, when Diego Pavia got injured late in the Conference USA Championship game, but he was not Diego Pavia. How much of this addition for another quarterback for Virginia is depth and therefore fans should focus more on the addition of cornerback from Robert Morris, Jermarian Jackson? Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, Frank, it's uh, good in the fact that he does give them some playable depth if one of the starters, and I say one of these two starters, Musket or Calandria, would happen to get injured like this past season, and uh, that limited Calandria on what he could do, even though I know the coaching staff was holding their breath every time he took off with the ball because if he got hurt, you know, where do you go from there? You go to uh, a walk-on in uh, Brady, uh, Grady Broster House. That puts you in, in quite a bind. So at least they'll have a guy who, with some college experience, <coughs> excuse me, and um, – I think that that means a lot to have a guy who you at least have some confidence in that can move move the team. <laughs> Excuse me. You're with us, Hootie, coughing up a storm. We will let you go now so that you can preserve that golden voice of yours and hopefully be at 100% when we chat again next week in the fast lane. Thanks, Ed. I think everybody's got a little bit of a bug right now. <laughs> you, me, and so many of us as Jerry Rackliff is with us here in the fast lane. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokie, Hokie, Hokie High. David Cunningham of TechSideline.com with us here in the fast lane. Speaking of women's basketball, David had a front row seat getting his Mark Goodfellow on, catching him at the game, sitting front row, for the game yesterday against NC State. How thrilling was that atmosphere? An announced sellout that after the game, the Lady Hokies mentioned gave them a boost. Hey, Ed, it was great. I mean, that's the first ever regular season sellout at Virginia Tech. It's not the biggest crowd ever because Castle Coliseum once sat over 10,000 people. So back in the late 90s, uh, there were a couple games with with crowds uh, close to that number. But it's been very rare 
for Virginia Tech to have a crowd of that magnitude. And it really threw Virginia Tech forward. It wasn't an extremely loud crowd the entire game. And to be fair, it didn't have a lot to cheer for for the majority of the game. This was a Virginia Tech team that was kind of hanging around and hanging around, but but never led until there was less than 90 seconds left in the game. But what it did do was when Virginia Tech was down 11 in the fourth quarter with eight minutes to go and Virginia Tech started to get stops, the crowd started to get into it. And as Georgia Amor put it yesterday, with every stop, with every rebound, it felt like the decibel level went up in the building. And by the time Virginia Tech cut it to four, uh, which forced uh, NC State to call a timeout, and then uh, got it all the way down to one, and then eventually took the lead with 90 seconds left, that crowd was roaring. And there was nothing that was going to snap Virginia Tech at that point. And I'm sure everybody's seen the sports center, the, the clip on SportsCenter or ESPN or whatnot of, of Elizabeth Kittley's buzzer beater. That was a byproduct of Virginia Tech playing elite defense down the stretch. NC State did not score for almost eight minutes that's insane and the crowd had a lot to do with that and of course when you can hold a team scoreless for that long and then get one final shot at the buzzer and give it to an all-american i think it works out pretty well for you at the end of the day it usually does for the virginia tech lady Hokies, as it did yesterday their one point victory against nc state outscoring the lady pack 14 to 2 over the final seven ish minutes of that contest how big was that win, which Coach Kennedy, Coach Kennedy Brooks downplayed, but for us and for fans and the players, was it bigger than maybe he was willing to say, given that now they played three top 10 teams and have one win, one close loss, and then one understandable wider margin loss, which was the true road game at LSU? Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's tough, right? Because every game in the ACC is important. Virginia Tech has played two uh, three ACC games, two of which were Quadrant 4. Every other game going forward is going to be either Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2, or Quadrant 3. Virginia Tech has Miami on Thursday and goes to a top 25 team in Florida State on Sunday. Those games are huge. Now, to get a top top 5 team on your home floor is a little bit different. Um, but I see both sides of it because Virginia Tech, I think, just needed – this was a benchmark. This was – the way I referred it to was a midterm exam. This was Virginia Tech's midterm. It had taken a couple of quizzes, a couple of, of tests early in the year. Didn't didn't quite uh, pass them with flying colors against Iowa and LSU. But you get this opportunity to kind of show what you learned so far. And Virginia Tech did that. And it wasn't exactly pretty the entire way, but Tech closed it out strong. And that's what matters. And now you've got a lot of momentum. And I think what it does is it energizes the fan base going forward. Virginia Tech drew over 6,000 fans for a 2 p.m. game on New Year's Eve against Pitt, the worst team in the conference. I can't imagine with the students and the band back starting next week what this crowd might look like for some of these other ACC games against regular competition that maybe isn't top 25 uh, caliber in, you know, uh, when, when you're not playing the North Carolinas, uh, the NC States, right? I, I think what it does is it kind of gives the fan base positive momentum going forward. It gives the team momentum. And I think it gives everybody confidence. It shows that Virginia Tech can compete with the best. There, not that there was ever any question that the Hokies couldn't necessarily, but I think everybody kind of self-doubts. I, I think 
Tech players and coaches would probably admit it, that, yeah, you know, we got a little shaken up after going on the road to LSU and, and losing that game, after losing to Iowa, right? You want some confidence. And a game like this, winning the way you did, shutting NC State out essentially for the final eight minutes of the game, that's not a that's not a something where it's like, oh, okay, we won. That is a statement win. And I think that's what this is. I was talking with Evan Hughes, the, the voice of Virginia Tech women's basketball earlier today, and we both agreed. In terms of regular season wins for Virginia Tech in Kenny in the Kenny Brooks era, and this is his seventh season, I think this is number one in terms of regular season wins under Kenny Brooks at Virginia Tech. Obviously, the Hokies have accomplished a lot in the ACC tournament, won it last year, and went to the Final Four. But in terms of regular season games, I don't know if there's anyone bigger in terms of what the crowd was and what the stage was. And guess what? People are going to be paying attention even more now to Virginia Tech. People already knew Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amor's names. People are going to be paying much closer attention, especially when Tech's playing on big networks like Sunday when they go down to Florida State and they're playing on ESPN. A big name is David Cunningham. The real D-Cun-A is where you keep up with him on social media and, of course, TechSideline.com. David, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. Much appreciated. We'll have plenty more round ball talk going forward. Appreciate it, Ed. Talk to you soon. Now to the Liberty Flames. With Alan York, the play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames. Alan, have you been able to just take a breath and breathe when the topic Liberty football comes up from the roller coaster of the wonderful Fiesta Bowl experience, at least that was our projective, uh, all the way to the game itself, maybe not as wonderful. The Willie or won't he return Caden Salter news and then the announcement Friday night that it appears he'll be back at Liberty and uh, obviously they look poised to uh, maybe not run it back the exact same way but have a very strong future next season as well yeah to answer the first part of your question no and as a follower of liberty and the fans i don't think you ever want to stop talking about liberty athletics i mean we know it's a it's a business year-round and there's no stoppage of uh stories to talk about especially with what you just talked about the bowl game uh we got right back into basketball last weekend at western kentucky so it doesn't stop and as a broadcaster one that uh it totes around the flames and follows them around. It's something that's always fun year-round. What was the impact of the Fiesta Bowl, the build-up, the game itself, and then everything afterwards? Well, I mean, you were there. Uh, you, you saw a Liberty team that I think acquitted itself outside of the score as, as well as it could uh, from a exposure standpoint to, you know, leading some folks maybe to Christ out there. Who knows? But uh, the exposure you get in a, in a game like that, all bowls are great. Uh, I don't care if you're six and six or five and seven. As some teams go, you want to go to the bowl. You want to go to the best one you can get into. And uh, Liberty going to the Fiesta Bowl. There was a Times article. I encourage everybody to maybe go to my Twitter account, X account at LU Flames Voice uh, from Time.com that talked about the uh, the unpaid media exposure and advertising was like twenty five million or thirty million dollars, which you can't you know put your arms around that until maybe. Uh, months, years down the road. Who knows? But it was a great experience for all involved, and uh, glad we were able to do it. Meanwhile, Liberty basketball. It's not panic time, but they do lose on the road at Western Kentucky in their debut in Conference USA. This isn't meant as a slight as Alan York is with us in the fast lane, but how much of that was a reality check of just what it takes to win a road game in Conference USA play? 
I think, you know, sitting there courtside uh, watching, you know, Liberty compete well. It was a one-point game at halftime. Liberty fell down 13 with four minutes left and fought to get back in the game and had a chance to win at the end. My, money on Brody Peebles any time of the day, although I don't bet, so don't twist that for those fans tuning in right now. Um, if he's open, I don't care, corner, wing, top of the key, uh, I'm pretty confident he's going to make it. And uh, that one just didn't fall for him. But, you know, to answer your question, uh, not to be coach speak, uh, I do think, you know, going into Conference USA is uh, a bigger jump competitively than what it was Big South to A-Sun. Uh, I think a lot of people around the program will tell you the same thing when you just look at the ranking of whoever put these rankings out of what the, the top conference is. And going from the A-Sun to Conference USA is a big jump. Uh, that being said, though, Liberty was right there at the end. So I agree with you, not time to panic, but Liberty will learn a lot about itself on Wednesday at home. The students aren't back yet with Jacksonville State. They're coming in with some confidence. They won their opener the other day as well. So, uh, again, not to push the panic button, still a lot of basketball left. But, yes, uh, definitely a, a different brand of basketball and Conference USA. Uh, and despite the loss, though, Liberty's going to be okay. And uh, I think fans can uh, be excited about it and talk about it at the water cooler, which is great. Uh, but uh, pump the brakes a little bit on any panic right now. Alan York, play-by-play voice, Liberty Flames with us in the fast lane. Alan, thank you for your time. We'll see you over at Bel Air. I mean, Liberty Arena, the swanky part of L.A., of course, <laughs> uh, this coming Wednesday. The City of Angels. That sounds good, uh, Ed. Appreciate the time. Alan York with us here in the fast lane. Part one of covering the Commonwealth is in the books. JMU, they finally lost to men's basketball. Radford, they look for a bounce back. Another Virginia game going on this week. All of that's still to come, plus an update on the Commander's searches still to come here in the Fastlane.